Welcome to Federal Insights for January, Digital Transformation Month, sponsored by NEC Corporation. Welcome and thanks for joining me. My guest today is Benji Hutchinson, the Vice President of Federal Operations in the Advanced Recognition Systems Division at NEC Corporation of America. Benji, good to have you with us. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. And we're going to talk about digital transformation today, but in an interesting context. So often the discussions of digital transformation have to do with online transactions where the government is a computer server somewhere in the cloud and the user or visitor is on his or her device somewhere in the world. But there's also an angle to digital transformation that's happening in the context of person-to-person, in-person, live interactions and transactions. And that's where some of the technologies we're going to be talking about today come in. So tell us your view. What's going on in digital transformation in the in-person, let's say, real world? Yeah, no, and you nailed it, right? I mean, a lot of times we talk about uh, the virtual world, but when we talk about digital transformation or DX, it often has to do with uh, the physical and the digital world colliding or coming together and knocking down those barriers, quite honestly. So when we talk about digital transformation, we mean deploying the digital technologies that create a new uh, paradigm or a new uh, way of doing business, whether that's through enhancing the customer experience or uh, uh, evolving the business processes that are currently in place. Um, and it's usually in response to meeting new requirements or, or, or new challenges. And, you know, I know we'll get into this a little bit later, but uh, one of the things we're seeing right now is a global pandemic. And uh, that acceleration uh, of digital transformation is happening all around us. Um, but that's, that's typically what we talk about when we talk about digital transformation. And often these types of transactions involve the verification of who somebody is. And that has come a great deal since you know the last 20 years or so. And part of that has to do with facial recognition, biometrics. Give us the top trends that are happening, especially in facial, because it is a moving technology. And it has come a great deal even in the last couple of years relative to what it was earlier. Absolutely. Biometrics have come a long, long way. And Specifically, facial recognition has gotten a lot more accurate, uh, higher performance, uh, faster in the past five years. And, uh, and, and it's been deployed in a wide range of use cases across the, the world. And um, you know, what we're seeing is a bunch of different use cases where the technology really makes a difference, whether we're talking about physical access, digital payments, um, contactless, frictionless, hygienic, verification of identities in transportation scenarios, such as at the border, whether that's in an airport, a seaport, or a land port, we're seeing these technologies really make a difference. And even with the global pandemic, a mask hasn't slowed down the facial recognition technology. You can still use the technology to verify identities without having to get really close or have contact with these individuals. So playing on that digital transformation theme, it really is having an impact. And I think we're going to see more of that. And other technologies out there include iris technology as well. But facial definitely has had a moment and is having a moment. That's a good point. You mentioned something that comes up a lot in questions, and that is with everybody masked, say, you know, in a one-to-many matching situation or a corridor at an airport, that type of thing where people are ordinarily masked. It's possible now to do a good recognition, even with someone half their face covered? 
It is. Uh, through the advances in technology, uh, with artificial intelligence, machine learning, um, and uh, uh, deep learning, uh, we've been able to modify and upgrade the algorithms to correct for the face coverings. It's pretty miraculous. Um, we can look at different vectors and attributes on the face and compensate for that face covering piece. Obviously, it's better to not have the mask on, but in today's world, uh, in a lot of scenarios, especially in the aviation environment, that's just not an option. So, um, you know, we, we have released an algorithm. We released it last year, and we've been pushing it out to a lot of our customers, and it continues to perform well. And I think you're going to see more and more of those performance and accuracy gains as time goes on. And a lot of agencies that want to test those algorithms or test the way that they're applied in applications in larger technology systems often raise questions about what types of testing data is required, the data sets, the facial sets, the sets of eyes, if you will, that are required to do this. What are the implications for testing and training algorithms where you're shifting from the entire face to just the eyes? No, it's, it's a good question. And um, one of the most important things to remember when you're building training data sets or, or entering into any sort of testing scenario is to use a trusted source and an organization that is trusted widely and is unbiased. And uh, one of those organizations is the National Institute of Standards and Technology or NIST. And they really have been a pioneer over the past 20 to 25 years in testing uh, industry algorithms for facial recognition under a lot of different scenarios. More recently, the Department of Homeland Security, Science and Technology, they've conducted a number of rallies to also test the efficacy of the technology in uh, real world scenarios. But in both of these situations, you've got trusted organizations that have a vested interest in uh, using the technology, making sure in NIST's case, they're part of the Department of Commerce, that uh, there's a level playing field and that everybody uh, has access to the best technology available. Um, and on the DHS side, they're testing to make sure that it's operationally feasible for deployment in places like airports, seaports, and land ports. So um, it, has come, it has come quite a long way. And uh, when you talk about the data piece in particular, making sure that you have data that is um, uh, standard and everybody's tested against that same data uh, it's large data sets. We're talking millions and millions of faces, uh, usually passport or visa faces. Um, that's how those government agencies can really make an impact and be unbiased because they have access to all that government data. It really makes a difference as we in the vendor community try to uh, compare ourselves to others, but also to evolve our technologies and see how they're going to work in the real world. And just a quick question before the break. When you as a large corporation and a major vendor in this space, NEC are releasing an algorithm or a piece of embedded technology using the algorithm. Are your ways of developing it and testing it also transparent to the would-be buyer? They are, they are. We make sure that when we test these algorithms, uh, we work with the likes of NIST and our customers to understand how they're tested, um, what are our false positive and false negative rates, um, and uh, one of the things we're really proud of is in the last NIST test, uh, we ranked number one in accuracy and performance when it comes to facial recognition. Um, you know, there were about 189 algorithms submitted by 99 different vendors. 
And um, they came back and said that our error rates were virtually undetectable. So that's an amazing advancement in the technology. And there's others in that pack as well that, that, that did fairly well. Um, but, but you know, when we work with our customers to make sure that they understand those test results, how those test results can be applied to their operational scenarios, they have a high level of comfort uh, that, that they're buying the best of breed. All right, on that note, we'll take a quick break here. My guest today is Benji Hutchinson. He's the Vice President of Federal Operations for the Advanced Recognition Systems Division of NEC Corporation of America. I'm your moderator, Tom Temin. This is Federal Insights, sponsored by NEC Corporation of America here on Federal News Network. Download the Federal News Network app and take the news that matters to you and your agency's mission on the go. Download the app to find out what a new administration will mean for federal employees and contractors. Download the app to find out when you and your coworkers will return to the office. Download the app to learn about changes to your pay and benefits. The Federal News Network app. Sponsored by WEPA. WEPA, group term life insurance for feds by feds. Welcome back to Federal Insights, sponsored by NEC Corporation of America here on Federal News Network. My guest today is Benji Hutchinson. He's Vice President of Federal Operations for the Advanced Recognition Systems Division at the NEC Corporation of America. I'm your moderator, Tom Temin. And Benji, before the break, we were touching briefly on some of the use cases for this new generation of facial recognition technology biometrics that NEC is deploying. Let's go through some of those in more detail across the federal domains. You've got Intel and DOD, you've got transportation and so on. What some of the use cases are and some of the case histories of deployment you've seen so far. Sure, Tom. Yeah, so one of the things we decided to do early on uh, was we saw the potential to take the facial recognition and biometric technology and expand upon it. Uh, and we've done so with, uh, with our NEC digital platform. And uh, that's enabled us to uh, expand and, and, and go after lots of different use cases and support our customers in different ways. And you mentioned a lot of the big ones, but I'll mention a couple others. The first one that we see uh, quite often and uh, one of our proudest customers is Customs and Border Protection, Department of Homeland Security. Um, they, we have been uh, working with them uh, for a number of years now and uh, they have deployed our technology across the country at anywhere uh, they, that there is a facial recognition check at a land, sea, or air port. And um, that enabled us to pivot into the aviation sector on the private sector side, which has been uh, uh, going through tremendous change, as you might expect, with the global pandemic and the effects of COVID-19. And talk about digital transformation. Uh, I mean, they really are going through that right now. But um, what we saw was Customs and Border Protection was able to build their traveler verification service using our technology. And that enabled this touchless, contactless, hygienic um, uh, verification process. No longer do uh, travelers, international travelers, need to take out their passport to verify identity with uh, customs officials. Well, that same use case transitioned over into the private sector with Delta Airlines. Um, and uh, we have a deployment in Atlanta uh, at Hartsfield Atlanta Airport where it is a curb to gate solution. And uh, it allows travelers to come in and uh, they can enroll uh, once. And if they opt in, they can check in seamlessly without having to show anybody their passport or boarding card. They can drop off their bags, process through Transportation Security Administration, the checkpoint lines. 
and then proceed to their uh, board, their, their port of departure uh, it's with CBP. And doing all of that without having to take out a driver's license or a passport uh, whenever you're trying to verify identity for international flights is a real game changer. And that is for the international community now, but we suspect and we've been talking to these various stakeholders about the domestic population as well. Because I think both the federal government, TSA and Homeland Security, as well as the airlines and the authorities that operate all of these airports and so forth, I think for some time they've been talking about moving the perimeter of security to the gate to the airport as you drive in almost. And so if a face Absolutely. is recognized there, then you're good all the way to the gate and take some of the, as you've put it, friction out of these many, many encounters you have to stop and redo between getting out of your car and get sitting down in your seat on the plane. Absolutely, 100%. And we have a lot of we have a lot of discussions with our customers about the next generation of digital identity based on some of this technology. And uh, another customer that we've deployed to is Lufthansa and Star Alliance. Um, and what they've done is really novel with their Star Biometrics Hub. They have enabled a, uh, a mobile app that allows customers to enroll their face once, and then anywhere along the traveler journey where facial recognition is enabled whether it be for check-in, as I mentioned before, but also for car rental or checking into a hotel for affiliates or even buying a meal perhaps in the aviation environment, the future will enable that through this app. Um, and that's the type of innovation that we see. And that's only in the aviation sector. And you touched on another one that's really important. You shift over into the defense and the intel sector, what they're doing is somewhat similar um, but it has everything to do with taking the friction out of these transactions while still maintaining a, a sufficient level of security. Another one of our customers is the US Department of Defense and they're looking at physical access applications. How do we grab a face through a windshield and enable uh, smoother entry and exit from a base through hot lanes, for example? Can we grab that facial recognition through the windshield of people who have opted in, only opted in and enable the smooth flow of traffic? Um, those are the types of use cases we're looking at when it comes to the Defense Department. In the Intel community, it's somewhat similar, but for them, they have a need to secure highly classified environments where there's intelligence uh, information. And so physical access, uh, standoff verification of identities. Also, we haven't touched too much on, uh, on, on elevated body temperature, which is another type of technology that's powerful for detecting if someone has a fever. And in a pandemic world, a COVID-19 world, that is hugely critical. Uh, it doesn't tell if somebody has the disease, but it certainly is a strong indicator that they are a risk. And uh, coupling that with facial recognition for verification is a great way to secure a, lo a location. Yeah, and you wouldn't want them on the plane no matter what they have that's causing a fever, I suppose, that's or right. on the ship, whatever the case might be. But that particular technology can be integrated into the facial systems? It can, it can. And they work side by side. In fact, another one of our customers is the Hawaii Department of Transportation. And uh, they have deployed this same technology to all five major airports in the state of Hawaii. And uh, this was critical. They actually deployed it back in the summertime and uh, will be there for the next nine or 10 years. And uh, the goal of that is to increase travel, trade, and tourism, get it back on track. Obviously, uh, the, being an island and relying on air travel uh, for all those things it was a severe impact. And so um, deploying that technology was real, uh, it made a difference. 
All right, good place to take a break. My guest today is Benji Hutchinson. He's Vice President of Federal Operations for the Advanced Recognition Systems Division at NEC Corporation of America. I'm your moderator, Tom Temin. You're listening to Federal Insights, sponsored by NEC Corporation of America, here on Federal News Network. Download the Federal News Network app and take the news that matters to you and your agency's mission on the go. Download the app to find out what a new administration will mean for federal employees and contractors. Download the app to find out when you and your coworkers will return to the office. Download the app to learn about changes to your pay and benefits. The Federal News Network app, sponsored by WEPA. WEPA, group term life insurance for feds by feds. Welcome back to Federal Insights, sponsored by NEC Corporation of America here on Federal News Network. My guest today is Benji Hutchinson, the Vice President of Federal Operations for the Advanced Recognition Systems Division at NEC Corporation of America. I'm your moderator, Tom Temin. And Benji, let's talk a little bit about what's happening in the corporate world in this whole biometric and recognition and digital transformation area, because NEC itself is changing to kind of morph around what's going on in the market. Absolutely, Tom. We've seen a tremendous amount of investment coming from venture capital firms, uh, private equity, uh, all, all over the place, you know, large firms merging, buying smaller firms. Uh, Silicon Valley has a lot of small startups that are coming. So it's really driving innovation in the space. And so NEC saw a real opportunity to dive in headlong into this artificial intelligence, computer vision, and biometrics space, uh, specifically when it comes to the U.S. federal government. So one of the things we're really pleased about is uh, we'll share a little bit of the details. Later uh, this spring, in the spring of 2021, we plan to launch a brand new company focused exclusively on the U.S. federal government, uh, vertical market, and the technologies I mentioned before, artificial intelligence, computer vision, uh, biometrics, but also next generation communications like 5G and also fiber optic sensing technology. And uh, we're really proud and excited to do this. And the reason that we needed to do this is we are a foreign owned company. And so we wanted to mitigate our foreign ownership issues, put up that firewall to give that level of um, security and assurance to the U.S. federal government that we are a trusted partner. So we will have a facility cl a security clearance at the top secret level, and we'll be um, supporting our customers with classified and sensitive work. And uh, we're really excited to see that development take shape. And what you imply, too, is that there is almost a merging of several streams of technology. I mean, facial recognition is one, but remote sensing and machine vision, they all have things in common, but they haven't been really the same technology, different algorithms, but a lot of background types of processes similar. Is that, what, is that what's going on, that there's a, almost a convergence of these technology streams? I think we mentioned one before the break, temperature sensing and facial recognition, for example, in one system. Absolutely. What, what we're going to start to see, as you mentioned, in the past, we've seen facial recognition, individual biometric modalities like fingerprints and iris and uh, those, those sort of standalone technologies merging into one. And an area where we really see innovation is video analytics and being able to process through in an automated fashion all of that data that's coming off of different video streams. Um, and obviously, uh, privacy is a concern, but especially when you're talking about uh, foreign intelligence or for defensive purposes, um, there's a real need to be able to rapidly go through all of that video uh, information and discern what's happening, whether it's through scene processing, post-event, or if it's live, if you want to determine what's happening inside the video frame. 
you see all these algorithms converging into one, uh, one platform, if you will. And so we see a high demand for that. And I think that we're gonna see uh, more of that in the future. And that is driving a lot of the reasons that we wanna develop this new company and really truly focus on these areas. And I'm guessing that video analysis coupled with facial can maybe enhance facial because very often one's characteristics are expressed in their movement, which are unique to each individual. That's how you can tell, say your spouse walking from six blocks away versus somebody else walking. Is that part of all this too? It is part of it. And, um, you know, one of the things that uh, one, another example is object detection, right? Um, is there something in the frame that should not be in the frame? Has it been left there intentionally or unintentionally? And, uh, you know, we know that the computers and the algorithms can be trained to see more than the human eye can see. And uh, computers don't get tired, for example. So uh, typically in the past, we've had security guards or intelligence officials or defense individuals sort of watching screens and looking for um, oddities or things of concern. If we can teach the computers and the algorithms to do that for us, uh, we're in a much better place. And especially now that we've got larger and larger volumes of data, it's a real necessity. And in the last couple of minutes we have, maybe talk briefly about the idea of continuously evolving biometrics and artificial intelligence, which implies continuously evolving. Yeah, so um, one of the things, you know, people often talk about artificial intelligence, and that's, that's a generic term that basically just means computers can behave like human beings. They have the ability to sense. But um, machine learning and deep learning is really where we've seen a lot of uh, the advancements in these algorithms. And machine learning is the ability to train the algorithm uh, to do better, right, uh, through using statistics. That's, that's pretty straightforward. Uh, but when you get to deep learning, you can use multiple approaches, a lot more mathematics, a lot more computers to analyze all this visual data and come up with a picture that's a lot more um, clearer for uh, those decision makers. Uh, and so that's really what the industry has been working for, towards. That's what we've been working towards. And these innovations uh, are going to continue. And as I mentioned earlier, you know, when we talk about the NIST tests, the error rates have gone down considerably over the last five years. And that's only going to continue to happen. They're going to get faster and they're going to get more accurate. And we're also going to be able to deal with demographic challenges as well. Um, and that's been a concern as of late. And, and we continue to work on that. And the industry works on that as well. But um, we definitely see artificial intelligence as a capability as a technology capability making a real difference in the biometric space uh, and video analytics. And I think we're going to see more of that. And one real fast question, is this all going to be somehow incorporated into an app on a smartphone? Because they have such great cameras nowadays that law enforcement could go like that and they can solve crime. You know, and I, one of the things I mentioned earlier is our, uh, our, our platform. Uh, and, and I do think that combination is happening. Uh, it's coming together. And it's getting uh, obviously faster, better, cheaper. And so working on those small devices um, is definitely something we should be able to see in the future. All right. Exciting stuff. I want to thank today's guest. Benji Hutchinson is the Vice President of Federal Operations for the Advanced Recognition Systems Division at NEC Corporation of America. Thanks for being with me. Thanks, Tom. And I'm Tom Temin. You're listening to Federal News Network. For more on this discussion, visit federalnewsnetwork.com and search NEC. Thank you for listening to Federal Insights for January Digital Transformation Month. 
Sponsored by NEC Corporation on Federal News Network. Have Apple CarPlay or Android Auto in your car and the WTOP app on your phone? Then you have one-touch access to the WTOP live stream. 50 trying to head toward the west Traffic reports, podcasts, this podcast has allowed us to and more. An orchestra. Check it out today.